0: This episode of The Energy Pipeline is sponsored by Caterpillar Oil & Gas. Since the 1930s, Caterpillar has manufactured engines for drilling, production, well service, and gas compression. With more than 2,100 dealer locations worldwide, Caterpillar offers customers a dedicated support team to assist with their premier power solutions.
1: The Energy Pipeline is your lifeline to all things oil and gas, to drill down deep into the issues impacting our industry. From the frac site
0: to the future of sustainability, hear more about industry issues, tools, and resources to streamline and modernize the future of oil and gas. Welcome to the Energy Pipeline. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Energy Pipeline. It is me, your host, Jordan Yates, recording from PBIOS, the Permian Basin International Oil Show. I'm very excited to be here with two pretty impressive guests. We have Larry Richards, the 2023 PBIOS president, and Jim Nelson, the chairman, CEO, and president at the Warren Cat Company. Gentlemen, how are we doing today?
2: Standing. Great.
0: Amazing, um, Larry. Since you are kind of in charge of this whole show, like how how do you think it's been going so far?
2: Um, fantastic. I mean, we're we're thrilled uh, with the attendance so far. We expect over twenty five thousand. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's always just a, a symphony of big equipment and and personnel moving in during the couple of days beforehand, and and you don't see how it could possibly come together twenty four hours in advance, uh, but it does. Yeah. And, and uh, we do it all with a uh, you know over one hundred and fifty. Leaders from from across our industry that serve as a volunteer board of directors that mm-hmm. do everything here. Yeah, and uh, seven hundred and fifty exhibitors come together, put all this equipment together, and and uh, and would. Good Lord took care of the weather, so we're thrilled. It's a it's a great showing.
0: Yeah, speaking of big equipment, Jim, you're both here. I mean, the, the big equipment is an understatement. We're, <laughs> wh- what did you think when you came and you got to see all of these big engines and earth-moving materials here? It's
1: awesome. That's you know that's what we do for a living, right? So big boy toys. But oh, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I think our booth is great, and uh, people are out here excited to talk about some of the great things we're doing, so... <laughs>
0: very cool well since i have two awesome leaders from our industry here we kind of wanted to do sort of an industry update and ask you guys some questions get your perspectives and um you know kind of an update on what's going on in the permian right now so i'm going to start with larry could you provide a snapshot of the current state of the permian basin oil and gas industry
2: yeah we're, we're so fortunate i mean earlier in my career the the overwhelming majority of the innovation happened in the deep offshore or international market. And I spent a lot of time in those markets earlier in my career. Today, the last five to seven years, ninety percent of the major innovations are happening right here within 150 miles of Ector County Coliseum. Yeah. And and the entire world is coming in learning from us on how we're doing these next generation wells um, that the equipment to complete and produce them is is light years ahead of what we had to do before because they're different they're a different animal and and we're constantly learning innovating but the the raw entrepreneurial spirit of West Texas and and the work ethic out here just drives innovation and it's so cool to to see the advancements just year to show to show i mean we got stuff out here this didn't exist 2 years ago in the industry and uh, to be able to capture that that uh, gas that might otherwise be flared out in the field, it's just a, it's a really cool time to be in our industry, especially in the Permian Basin.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Larry. love your enthusiasm, Jim. How are you feeling about the the energy landscape in the Permian Basin over the last few years?
1: Well, it's I mean it's amazing, really. I mean the opportunities that uh, companies have to operate here, uh, to provide services to you know all the major oil and gas companies and in independents, and you know I think. I keep telling our guys and our team, we talk about a 10 year run. I mean, we think the next 10 years are going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you've seen some of the acquisitions that have been made recently. Certainly the big announcement this past week with the uh, ExxonMobil acquisition of pioneer, you're going to see more of that. And I think it's just going to accelerate even more. I mean, you're going to have huge capital investment continue to be made out here. So uh, we're excited that our territory is uh, West Texas and Oklahoma. So we're right in the heart of it. And, uh, or forward to continuing to provide great solutions to our customers.
0: So. Absolutely. And I'm not an economist, but I thought it was pretty crazy that Pioneer got acquired. I thought they were like a big player and I was like, someone's buying them. My goodness, the industry is always surprising me. Yeah. Um, okay. So a big topic that I've always thought was interesting, especially since I've gotten in the marketing side of this industry is trade shows. Clearly, we're at one. You guys must both support it in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious about how you guys see the relevancy of trade shows in this industry. Larry, we'll start with you since you're the president of this one. Sure. And sort of, I mean, some people think our trade shows going away, or are they dying, or are they still just as relevant? Could you share your thoughts on that?
2: I can't speak for all industries. I can't speak for all parts of the country. I can say with my own companies mm-hmm. for the last 35 years, uh, I have. I have put equipment in trade shows across the industry. You know, I, I had in a previous life, one of the largest booths in the middle of OTC mm-hmm. and have and I've had them in Norway and, you know, Calgary and, and all over the U.S. And, and the reason they're so relevant still today is because it allows attendees to come and actually put their hands on the equipment mm-hmm. and understand it and listen to people who are passionate about the new technology and, and what's being driven into it. We've got so much cool tech here this show yeah. uh, from the big heavy horsepower that suddenly you know can use 80% natural gas or 100% natural gas on your gensets, sets. But to things that were reducing emissions and, and any kind of, uh, you know, methane that's going to the atmosphere to all this water movement stuff. Y'all got all the construction equipment to build, you know, the, the water midstream businesses that didn't exist 10 years ago. We were moving all right. it all by truck. All right. And there's, there's so much new technology um, that, that's being driven that you can't just get on the internet. You can. You know, and that's what God made engineers for is to read all the technical data. But most people to really understand it, to come out and actually see it and talk to people who are passionate about it and understand it, it's a completely different experience. That's why we've been sold out, you know, for. Ever since I've been on the board and I've been on the board twenty years, but we, wow. we sold out months ago every booth space. We have eleven hundred booth spaces here. We have seven hundred and fifty exhibitors over twenty five acres. Wow. Everyone's taken. Yeah. And we got a waiting list and we already have a waiting list for next show. So Goodness. you know, I don't think our trade show's going anywhere, <laughs> yeah. but but uh, but I think it's it's relevant because there is a difference when you can physically go put your hands on it.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And then it's always great to get a bunch of free koozies and put your card in so you can win a cooler. I mean, I didn't realize coolers were such a hot commodity out here until every single booth you can win a cooler. Um, So I I think that's definitely a a fun little thing going on. But Jim, what do you think is, you know, the significance of Warren Cat being at an event like this?
1: Well, I mean, I'll build on, I guess, what Larry said. I mean, in the in the world today it's you know a high tech world but people still want high touch and it's still all about relationships and so you know the best way to do that is in person and seeing people and and talking about you know what you're doing we couldn't go out and demo this equipment for you know customers i mean go out to 50 customer sites and do it all i mean yeah it's better to be all in one spot and and have them you know come to us in this particular case in the trade show and and uh, be able to explain you know, a lot of people learn by visual learning. This is a visual learning exercise, and so, um, you know, we still think there's value in the trade show. Um, there's value in just uh, we have had our VIP event last night for our customers, and you know, again, that's a relationship-driven thing around this event. So, uh, there's still very relevant, you know, especially in the equipment business. Yeah, uh, it's good for us. So,
0: absolutely, um, and yeah, like you said, the idea of being able to see this physically because. I know video is very popular these days, but I feel like you can't really capture the essence of how large and robust this equipment is in a video. Like, right. it's so cool to actually see it in person and think, if that thing fell over, like, oh. that's that's going to make some noise, you yeah. know?
1: And, and like I said, people are visual learners. A lot of, you know, all of our, most of our mechanics are visual learners, right? They yep. take something apart, they can put it back together. It's a lot, same way most people learn. They go look at it and they go, oh, oh, that's how that does that. Oh, okay, yeah. I understand now. So we give it that opportunity to come out and do that, so.
0: Yeah, I no, That's amazing. And Warren Cat is playing a really big role right now in the region of new technology. I mean, specifically the DGB engines like those have been pretty hot topic for the last couple of days of people I've interviewed. Can you tell me more about how you guys feel that you're contributing to the innovation of this industry?
1: Yeah, I think the dynamic gas blending is, is the DGB engine. We take a diesel engine and you're uh, able to substitute up to 80 percent natural gas. Uh, we all want cleaner emissions, clean air, uh, so certainly the emissions coming out of gas are better than diesel. Um, just the whole electrification of the oil field is a big topic today, and mm-hmm. so we're playing in that from several angles, whether it's you know selling a DGB engine to a, a frac customer to put on their trailer, or even uh, electric gensets, you know, a lot of them are using electric motor drive pumps now, and they need electricity, mm-hmm. not going to get it from the grid most likely, so you know, we'll put a mobile genset out there that's gas. Hundred percent gas, so and even if, if they
2: get it from the grid, it has spikes and surges, yeah, and oh, oh, you yeah. know can tear yeah. up their own sophisticated electrical equipment. Exactly. So the genset's just smooth.
1: Yeah. So you, you want reliable power, clean power, and so we can provide that. You know, the best thing we're doing with our customers is just partnering with them and what we call a field follow program. So we'll put technology out there, we'll follow that in the field make sure it's doing what we said it's going to do. They understand the technology better, yeah. and then we go into production with it. So we've got several projects that we're working on that are in field follow with our customers today to try to achieve their goals. You know, everybody's got an ESG metric they're, if they're a public company today, and, and some private companies are focused on that as well. So we're... We're able to uh, help them meet their goals. You know, Caterpillar bought a company here recently called C- Carbon Point, which okay. is a carbon capture. Um, and then we've got a couple of projects we're working on with Cat and that entity to help some of our customers do that as well. So um, there's a whole electrification and sustainability division of Caterpillar that's focused on bringing these solutions to market. So we're, yeah. we're here with them and, and with our customers and uh, trying to help them achieve their goals.
0: Yeah, that's a nice thing about like the B2B market is that you guys do have such sophisticated customers that you can have this, you know, very high technology that you're giving to them and then have the faith that they can implement it in a responsible manner. So right. I, I find that to be um, a, a good thing. So back to you, Larry, questions about the infrastructure collaboration workforce There's always the hot topic of like, you know, the industry's up and down. And when it's up, we just cannot get people fast enough. Mm -hmm. What have you seen in those trends in sort of the Permian Basin with the workforce? Like what's going on right now?
2: Well, we've had such great work done by our local colleges and universities. Mm -hmm. And the oil show, uh, we've been fortunate enough, we've donated $282,000. We're a nonprofit. But last year, we donated $282,000 to UTPB, Midland College, uh, Odessa College and Texas Tech for their programs, and, and we love like mechanical engineers coming out of UTTB and, and Tech.
0: Mechanical but even more technology.
2: importantly, we love the truck drivers and the welders and all these different technical trades that are they're training people that already live here and you know all of a sudden have the skill set they want to stay here, mm-hmm. and, and they're joining our workforce. So that's been a fantastic addition for us. It's something that we we always struggle with because of the cycles. But mm-hmm. but one of the other things, reason I, I donate my time to the show. Is it's so important for these local companies to have diverse markets across the United States and selling internationally yeah. to where when we have those cycles, they can retain their people because they've got, you know, selling in, in markets overseas that are on longer cycle times. And, and my Midland based business that I, I ran for 12 years, we, we were able to go through all the sections without, without a single layoff because 55% of our business was international. And a lot of those people met here at this show. Yeah. And so that's something we're trying to do for the local manufacturers to where they can, they can offset those, those cycles, keep their people here mm-hmm. because they've all learned if you've got the people in place and you've continued to get the service when the market comes back, it's, you're going to do fantastic. Absolutely. But the key is how do you, how do you weather those cycles? Uh, and, and I think we play a big part in helping companies do that.
0: That's really cool. I, I love that you guys are so thoughtful about being involved in recruiting from like local colleges. Because I went to Texas Tech myself, and I remember I loved going to the engineering job fair. I just felt like it was Christmas—like all of the companies you want to work for lined up, and like it was so so cool. And I felt like I had a leg up on a lot of my friends who went other places because I'm like I'm right next to the Permian Basin, like I'm in it to where if I wanted to get a job afterwards or an internship, it felt so accessible. No, I graduated in 2020, so it didn't work out too well for oil gas. But nonetheless, I still saw a lot of people getting jobs. And I think it's so great that even, you know, two hours north, like we're still looped into the community here because it is so strong. So I I love to see that. Um, I'm going to bring it back over to you, Jim. I'm curious about if you have any examples of collaborations or partnerships in the Permian Basin um, specifically and how they've kind of advanced in their sector.
1: Um, well, specifically, I talked about earlier the field follow stuff we're doing with our customers. Um, obviously, the Permian Strategic Partnership, you mm-hmm. know, uh, which is a great organizations doing a lot for the communities around here. Where all the oil and gas and service companies operate. Um, you know, we we try to look go into our customers and understand uh, what their you know goals are, but also what their risk profile is. Mm-hmm. And so we can help them try to eliminate that risk profile partnering with different ways today of, you know, not just ask, you know, billing for a monthly service, but we're taking risk with the customer to say, okay, if you produce you eat X amount of KW per hour, we'll, you know, sell it to you at cents per hour. So we're taking yeah. some of their risk off the table of having to go out and capture that infrastructure somewhere else. So. Those are the kinds of projects we're doing, Um, power by the hour, customer who rents a machine today, Mm -hmm. typically they'd pay, okay, you're going to pay $10,000 a month, well now we'll go in and say, okay, your whole fleet needs for this project are X, we can uh, look at giving you a power by the hour, so when you're using the machine, you you pay for it, when you're not, we've got some base rate, but it gives them a way to lock in their costs and take
0: risk off the table. that's pretty sweet.
1: You know, and when you've got a variable price commodity, like oil and gas, yep. <laughs> uh, it's nice for them to be able to match, you know, some of their, how they're getting paid. So
0: Absolutely. And that must take a lot of planning on your end to make sure that you guys remain profitable while you're giving these, you know, steady prices to your customers. Yeah, we,
1: we, um. It's a different sales cycle and a different type of approach. It's mm-hmm. not just handing a quote to a customer now. It's you know, we got to understand their business better um, than they do so in some cases. So understand the risk profile we're getting into
0: absolutely and you've been with warren cat for about 20 years now is that correct yeah yeah so 24 24 okay my bad uh 24 that is very impressive would you say in terms of workforce that you've seen any new trends over the last few years of like maybe recruiting or the talent that's available or i don't know if that's related enough to your day job but is that something that you're looped in on
1: yeah i mean i i I mean, it, you know, our our philosophy is talent wins. And so, you know, if we have the best talent, uh, we're going to win in the marketplace. So we spend a lot of time on um, not only recruiting new folks to come work for us, but also retaining people. Mm-hmm. and. Uh we just built a uh, a new training center down at our family ranch uh, in central texas that uh, our technicians go down there and do their training now for a week and you know get to fish a little bit and drink a beer on the back porch and it's pretty you know we're just those types of things we yeah the workforce today is uh, motivated by different things than, you know, maybe when I first came in the workforce yeah. and it's just different. I tell people it's not good or bad. It's just different. And you got to understand, uh, you know, what motivates people and try to, you know, figure out that. And if we do that then we can keep them with us and, uh, without great people, I tell our folks, all we are is buildings and inventory
2: yeah, and that's not engines. very
1: exciting. Right. <laughs> you know? If, uh, so, you know, if we don't have great people, you know, we're not going to win, and our customers are going to be very disappointed.
0: Absolutely. And you know, on the workforce topic, I find it so interesting. My generation, I'm sure you've heard this term so, so many times work life balance. I don't feel like that goes super hand-in-hand hand with how the culture of oil and gas has always been, because this is fast-paced. This is like you are showing up, like you said, middle of the night, like you are doing the most for your customers. Have you seen any shifts since this whole, uh, I guess, discussion on work-life balance has come into the picture, or are we still pretty hardcore out here in Midland? Then either of you can answer. I'm just it's curious, a good genuinely I'll myself. launch
2: into that yeah. uh, black hole first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but it is, We I think... You know, one of the things that defines the Permian Basin is the work ethic. And it, yeah. and it is. It, it's, it's, uh, you know, you, every day. I don't worry about machines taking over our jobs out here anytime soon because you're hit with three <laughs> problems every morning before noon that didn't exist 48 hours before. But, yeah. you know, especially with our customers, when they've got downtime, it could cost them a half a million dollars in a day or mm-hmm. a million dollars in a day. And and so, you know, you have a sense of urgency. But I, I think at least the, the young people... That worked for my company. There's no better time for opportunities for young people in this industry and young entrepreneurs starting new companies. Yeah. I do recommend they go work for another company that's best in class for years and and you know make get some of their scars you know using other people's money and <laughs> and 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 move you know and learn the business. But but there's not a, a better time in the history of our country mm-hmm. uh, in this region of the of the of the u.s. uh for young people to have just a, an amazing career yeah. where they get it's almost like the military you get so much responsibility so early in your career out here because the stakes are high uh but you the opportunities are high yeah. and and it's a lot of fun um but it's not for the timid and and it is fast and furious and but the ones that are willing to jump in that uh can just do phenomenally well
0: what are your thoughts on that jim
2: I I mean,
1: definitely agree with that. The opportunities are still great in this industry and specifically out here in the Permian. The work-life balance thing, you know, I've got an opinion on work-life, but there is no work-life balance. You you have to make choices, right? And so sometimes you make, you know, choices in favor of your family and sometimes you make in favor of your employer. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think, you know, to me... This the, the newer generation that's working today, probably the first time some employees have told us, no, you know, I'm not yeah. going to do that. Well, OK, well, that's a new one. So, you know, you, you kind of step back and go, OK, I understand why. What You know, well, I've got a commitment, you know, with my mother's ill or my child's ill or I've got a soccer game to coach or yeah. OK. And so, again, I go back to my theory is that it's not good or bad it's just different and you just got to figure out how to work with it yeah. and you know because i can tell you that some of the young folks today can do three things at once multitask that you know people my generation don't do that very well you know mm-hmm. i mean just texting is a challenge for some of us right so uh you know you just got to understand and uh, adapt i mean i think that's and that's what's great about this industry in yes. you know, oil and gas i mean you know when i first moved out here in 1998 we were going to roll up the streets and it was over in 1999 yeah. you know everybody was moving back to houston and all oil, oil was at ten dollars and we thought okay it's over and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden new technology comes along and okay we can produce this stuff and uh do it differently and so with the advent of you know the the seismic advent the horizontal you know drilling uh high, super hydraulic fracking mm-hmm. i mean And that's, you know, this is Gen 2 of that. Gen 3 is going to be even more impressive. And, uh, you know, as we go into this, we know it's all on the ground now. Mm -hmm. Now it's almost a manufacturing world to figure out how to get it out there, out of the ground, you know, the most efficient way. And with all the capital being thrown out here now, I think you're going to see... even more innovation. And so why not come in this industry if you want to be, you know, everybody wants to say, I want to be in the high tech world. Well, you're in the high tech world in this world. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I know more than ever too, because I feel like back in 2019 ish is when I had my first oil and gas job. And then now I'm more manufacturing. But a couple of years ago, I saw like a robot on a rig and I was like, Excuse me, my worlds are colliding. Like, this is amazing. And I think, you know, work life balance is possibly some people's first priority and will stop them from joining an industry like this. But others, like you said, it's the entrepreneurial spirit of like, there is money to make, there Mm -hmm. are things to achieve in like, all of that is here and you can just come and get it if you're willing to work for it. And I personally, I've always been a hard worker. I love that mentality. So I think that it's cool. And I don't think that we necessarily have to fully be different in like slow down because there are people telling us to, because we still have enough people who are willing to work. And I think that that's exciting. Um, now, the oil field obviously has a very profound economic impact in, I, I mean, Midland for sure, but surrounding mm-hmm. areas as well. Can you guys kind of tell us some of the economic benefits and challenges that are associated with being in this industry? Cause I feel like when it's high, it's high. When it's low, it's low. Like how do we sometimes find that middle ground?
2: Who You want to take that one first?
1: <laughs> well, I think sure. Uh, you know, as you, go through cycles, you learn things. You know, you talked about the scars that we all have from being in your first couple of cycles. And Mm -hmm. so I just think you just, you have to run your business different. You know, you you run probably leaner than you need to at times, but you knowing that there's going to be a cycle, but I, the important thing to always remember is it's up and to the right still the graph is yeah. there's going to be lots of aberrations in between and you've just got to figure out that you know when you've got a low cycle you know you got to keep your talent employed and you got to keep your equipment up and you've got to you know you do certain things in the low cycles getting you know as we always talk about you managing bad times for good and good times for bad you know yeah. you, you think about your trough plan when things are good and When things are bad you're thinking about we're about ready to we're one day closer to things busting loose so let's get some people hired and let's make sure we got our equipment ready and let's get ready to go so um yeah it's a a boom best mentality cycle is hard to manage in but once you kind of learn the lessons and what levers to pull um you know it's not that hard
0: you get used to it after a while after enough cycles (laughs)
1: emotionally it's really hard but (laughs) uh you know but it's uh you know from a business standpoint it's not that hard
0: yeah what are your thoughts on that and
2: and i agree with that there's great opportunities i've found in both sides of the cycle there there really are but you do have to prepare and you have to you know it's i've watched multiple ones in, in my career and and um you know two key indicators when when um the wheels are about to fall off. Is is when everybody starts saying it's never going to go down again. All the prognosticators. And when when you're on the Southwest flight and all of a sudden you know, it, it moved from the the really nice suits from the folks in Dallas and Houston and the New York guys start showing up in yeah. the you know five thousand dollars suits yeah. and a little different shoes and you're like, all right, we're in trouble. <laughs> it's, it's over. Yeah, that that's a, that's a flare. Yeah. But but it's it's um you know I I lived out here for twenty five years and. And we've gotten, I think, a lot better as a community mm-hmm. um, to prepare for those cycles and and, and do some underpinnings. And the, the long-term investments that so many of the companies have made, you know, like this latest one, when, when people are putting tens of billions of dollars in investment, they're not doing that for a year. They're doing yeah. that for, you know, t- decades worth of payback return. And, and we're better insulated. Than anywhere else, I think in the in the United States, because like I said, we know the oils there, and now you know it's just every time new technologies to to be able to extract it and do it commercially. Real quick story, but you know I I, I graduated from Texas A and M as a business major, not a petroleum engineer, 1986, and and uh, you know my senior year at AM and convinced me I wasn't a petty. but <laughs> but uh, my first class petroleum engineering class in 1984 at A and M. That the instructor told us all, it's like, how many of you w- want to have your career outside the U.S.? You know, three or four kids out of the class, raise your hand. He said, if you didn't raise your hand, you're in the wrong room because all oil that, you know, will be c- that can be commercially gotten out of the United States will probably be done by the end of, you know, before you graduate. Yeah. And that was 1984. So, you know, I think. 30 years from now 40 years from now we're going to be extracting there's no other energy source that's so dense as these hydrocarbon molecules Mm -hmm. we just got to get better at maximizing the capture of everyone we bring to the surface and doing it without emissions and doing it recycling our water and being better stewards of the environment in our communities as we do it but but i think um you know we'll weather the cycles but but it's it's this is going to be a great community for for families to live in for a very long time
0: I love that. I mean, both of you mentioned like the oil is there. We just have to go get it. How does it make you feel? And I'm not talking like logistics, but like you personally, when someone says we're going to be out of oil in the next like five to 10 years, like it's going to be gone. How does that make you feel? Does your skin you like to, itch a little?
1: You need to find a new textbook. <laughs> <laughs> you need to understand the, the rock a little better. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, I'm not a geologist, but you know, everything that, People we know in the industry are very comfortable that, and you wouldn't see the capital investment out here if it's not there. So,
0: yeah. uh, I,
1: you know, in my lifetime, it's going to be plenty here. You know, probably my children's lifetime. So, I think we're going to be fine. I mean, 40 percent of the oil and gas is, that's produced in the United States today is produced in the Permian Basin. So, wow. Uh, you know, this is the center of what happens, and there's still plenty of reserves out there. Maybe not the premium tier acreage than, you know, wells that they've had, but there's still going to be a lot of opportunity. So. Absolutely. I think we,
2: we definitely, we have the reserves, we have the technology to get it. And in terms of when we move out of hydrocarbons, unless somebody invents low-cost fusion, which is always possible, yeah. but right. until that happens, there's no, there's more more effective way to get energy than the, these hydrocarbon molecules yeah. that, that we're bringing to the surface. The key is, is how do you do it the right way? Um, 55% of our global food production, crop production, Mm -hmm. is made from synthetic fertilizers from natural gas. Yeah. I mean... 55% of what everyone eats, or you know, for all crop production, and nobody talks about that. But Mm -hmm. when folks say, oh, all hydrocarbons are going to be ended 10 years from now, well, you better have a plan, you know, for a whole lot of people to eat because, you know, 55% and 90% of everything that all three of us touched this morning from the time we got up and hit our alarm clock and brushed our teeth and drove here was all made with petrochemicals absolutely and, and that's not going to go away in 10 years I, you know and i'm all for all types of energy we have more wind and solar in texas than any other state in the country yeah and and we need more energy we want more low-cost energy so everybody can have a standard you know but hydrocarbons have allowed a standard of living that our grandparents couldn't have, our great-grandparents couldn't have dreamed of and all the men and women in this industry that are going to work every day, you know, are doing that for the country. And and we're real proud to to help them and be a part of it because it's it's um, I, I think that we don't as an industry tell our message very well. Um, but we have an incredible story to tell.
1: Well, and, and look what's happened in the last week, OK, with what's going on in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, energy security for this country is because of what's happened out here in the Permian yeah. and you know and what so I mean without that you know oil prices uh, 20 years ago oil prices would have been at 120 dollars a barrel the day that happened so uh, it's a big socio-economic and geopolitical thing you know it's so it's, uh, it's a it's great industry to be in
0: yeah unless you've Feeling pretty good during times like this to be like, Yeah, I, I am in the oil and gas industry and I'm proud to be in it. You know, I'm not not gonna be shamed out of it because you know, there's sometimes some bad context with it, but there's also just so much good happening, and I I have a hard time seeing past the good. I just find it to be exciting. So as yeah. so why like other people coming on because I'll start getting too biased, and I'm like, It's amazing, there's nothing wrong with it, we're perfect. And they're like, Okay, well, there, there's some downsides, and I'm like, Okay, guess we could talk mm-hmm. about it. It is an educational podcast, gotta stay, you know, you know, center of the the road. But, but, um,
2: but that's why all this technology. You walk around, and we do have to continue to get better at, mm-hmm. at being good stewards of, yeah. of and not just the natural resource, which is an amazing gift, but but how we deal with it when we get it to the surface. But there's so much new cool technology, including yeah. being able to use. I've, I've spent most of my career elimin- trying to eliminate flares and vent gas across yeah. the world, and to, to see big stuff that can now utilize it. And it you know, at this show. You've got so many different pockets of technology that are all addressing it just to that point. Yeah. and And that's where, you know, we appreciate you all out here uh, waving the flag and, and explaining some of it because yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize that these innovations are happening. Even
0: if you're in the industry, I mean, there's so many sectors to it. Like, you can't be an expert on all of it. That's why yeah. it's nice to, like, have educational resources like this but as we're getting to the end i'm looking for just a a tad bit of advice from both of you to maybe young people that want to join the oil and gas industry and maybe just some insights or just a piece of advice in general for this you could start over here
1: well as we said there's plenty of opportunity so um you know the the biggest advice that i try to tell people is just you know find out what you're passionate about Mm -hmm. And then it's not work. And so, you know, if you can get in here and get passionate about our industry, uh, there's gonna be so much opportunity for you. Um, You know, as the saying in Midland always been, the sky's the limit, you know, and it really is. So I think you just gotta figure out what what gets you excited and gets you out of bed. And, you know, if you're excited about your job, it's not gonna be a job. You're gonna get to go places and learn things. And so that's my basic advice. I tell my own children, you know. I love this business. You may not love this business, you know, so, but I do. And so it's not a job for me. It's yeah. a, you know, I get to go out and see my favorite people every day. So I think that's, you know, a big piece of advice. But, uh, in addition to that, you know, there's, there's no, um, there's no replacement for going out and getting your hands dirty and seeing it out in the field. Mm-hmm. You can learn it in the textbook and you get a good base knowledge, but I really feel like you have to immerse yourself out there and be in the technology and be in the field to understand things and to gain the respect of who you're going to lead someday.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Can't come in with clean boots, am no, I right? No. <laughs> so,
2: you got to do your time. So.
0: Absolutely. What about you over here? And,
2: and when you do that, you get a whole lot of respect yeah. for those men and women you're working with. I, I, uh, yeah, my, my first two summers in this industry was in a roustabout truck in an engineer training program, but I was in a roustabout truck in a heavy oil field in the gas field. And I've I've never worked so hard in my life, but I've also never laughed so much on a job. We had a good time and, and, uh, it was fun. I, I would say probably two things. And I, I agree with every, with both that Jim said, um, one, don't be afraid to ask for help and, and ask for people to mentor you. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I was blessed. I've had some fantastic mentors across my, my career, Um, You know, and and I've I've moved to different parts of the industry, but all the way through I've I've had some people that invested in me and we tried to do the same thing at our company. I'm sure y'all do as well, but ask for that help because it, you know, most people are are thrilled our age are thrilled to be able to help you, you know, come down the trail that we did with maybe as not as many scars as we got along the way. Uh, But, but ask for that help and, and, and then, you know, pay it back yourself as you do it. Um, the, the other piece I was going to uh, say is honor your word and, and your word is your bond. And, and you have a personal brand in addition to the brand of the company that you're mm-hmm. that you're representing. Keep in mind, you're always representing them. But but this industry, it's really big. It's a lot of people. But you'll be amazed. I've run into people halfway around the world when, you know, I'm in a project and all of a sudden there's two people on a project in the middle of nowhere, Russia or Argentina or whatever that I did on a project 10 years ago. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you have this level of trust and and credibility, but it's because you honored your word and you followed through and everything else. And, and, and I don't, I think that a a lot of young people don't hear that enough that your ethics, your personal ethics and honoring your word and, and going out and working hard every day. If you'll do that, the sky's the limit. Um, but it is a differentiator, and and uh, it's so important. It's probably important in all industries, but in our industry especially. For sure, honoring your word is is. It seems like easy, uh, but it you know, the the key is to do it when it's not easy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And anyway, I love that you guys. Mm-hmm. Are, I'm feeling inspired. I'm gonna go work hard. I don't know on what, but <laughs> something. <laughs> I, at the end
1: of the day, I wish we could still just shake hands, and that was our deal. We didn't need a contract. Right. And,
0: oh Lord. You know
1: and. <laughs> because it's true I mean it's at the end of the day it's your word and yeah I love that I think that's great
0: yeah well guys thank you so much for coming on the Energy Pipeline everybody listening I hope that you enjoyed this I mean I know you did let's be real this was a good episode you guys (laughs) did amazing but uh, thank you so much and we'll see you next week
1: come back next week for another episode of the Energy Pipeline a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network to learn more
2: go to OGGN.com.